there welcome to how i got hired this is a show about ordinary people like you and me and how they created extraordinary success in their career my name is sonal behel an international career strategist and founder of supercharge i strongly believe that a fulfilling career is a birthright and not a privilege for the lucky few who have access to expensive education capital and networks I am now on a mission to democratize access to high value career advice with my digital courses with some coaching and content with my YouTube channel and this podcast right here so listen you deserve to have a career you actually love even if you just got laid off even if you took years of work to take care of a family member even if you are underpaid and overworked If you're looking for practical strategies and tactics to build a career and life that you're proud of, you are in the right place. Once you're done listening, I want you to promise me something. I want you to walk away with this singular thought. If they could do it, I can do it too. Now grab your favorite warm beverage and let's get started. Welcome back. Today's episode is part of my series Where are they now? to check up on how some of my past guests are getting on and sometimes how the best laid plans can go differently. John Tesser was a guest on the show back in December 2020 on episode 10. I'm currently I think I just published episode 105. So, hmm, it's been a while. And that show was called Dream Jobs and Dream Bosses where we chatted about John's career at NYC and company and how he got his other cool gigs at New York Magazine, Viacom, etc, etc. Since then, John's been through some stuff. He's been through one layoff, one job change. There's been a lot that's happened in the middle. We need an update. Where is John today? Let's get into it without further ado. John, welcome back to the show. So, now I'm super happy to be here and, and have this conversation with you. Oh yeah, me too, me too. So, John, let's pick up where we left off. Right? Okay. So, NYC and company, things were, you know, going on. And what happened there? How did it impact you? And where did you move to next? So yeah, I think when we had chatted, um I was pretty happy in my role there. Mm-hmm. Uh but it felt like I needed um more of a challenge within my career. Um a lot of what I was doing at that time was I was happy to have a job where there was a steady income. Um but I wasn't really being challenged and so the challenge that I added to my life was um a lot of the career coaching I was doing through LinkedIn um a lot of the writing and creativity through LinkedIn as well mm-hmm. seeing people um so I was really kind of had a job but wasn't really in it and then needed to transition to something that I thought would be more of a challenge or something that um you know would bring me back to the career side a little bit more and so i made a switch and so it sounds like it was a very thoughtful decision right to move out and also to like where you were going what made you decide on uh, this particular agency that you ended up uh, working with and, well, and what happened there 
I was missing innovation. One of the things that I was excited about the work that I was doing at NYC and company was, you know, we were the first to launch this super analytic platform where I'm bringing, I'm, you know, working with these Harvard grad students and we're you know, conquering the <laughs> world and like, you know, all this stuff. And unfortunately that was taken away from me. And I was like, okay, I, I need to get back into innovation. I need to establish within an agency, you know, what is the mm -hmm. possible of an analytics and insights department. And so I was really interested in, in Cashmere Agency and what I could bring to the table there was, you know, can I build out a research and in, in like the best in the industry? Um, and so I took that opportunity. Somebody, you know, who's a friend of mine, probably someone you know as well, Mindy Worrell, reached out to me. Um, she's like, you know, anyone interested in, in this position here at Kashmir is, you know, head of insights, essentially. Um, I was like me. And so I talked to people. Um, what I really liked about the company at the time was, you know, I'm not shy about talking about how important the idea of spirituality is um, for me. Sonal, I know you talked to Sadhguru. It was one of my favorite moments on the Internet ever was watching you talk to the man while he's on a motorcycle. Oh cycle yeah um, <laughs> such a badass right <laughs> I, I just I absolutely adore him and his message so I wanted to go to a company where people were very open about this mm -hmm. and I got that sense from them and it was really really cool to be mm -hmm. you know in that environment um, you know or at least thinking I was gonna be in that environment with people who um, you know support that as part of their personal growth journeys right and that was the so that was the idea. That was the plan. And yes. reality, right? I mean, there, there's a, there there's was a joke. Reality. You, there's yeah. a joke they say, right? You want to you wanna make God laugh? Tell him about your plans, right? Every time I've had something like this, it's, it's punched me in the face. Mm -hmm. Not always, but frequently. Mm -hmm. So tell me like what happened in the reality when you moved out of the comfort uh, because you knew and loved so many colleagues at NYC Co. And yes. then you leave all of that behind, the familiarity, yes. the comfort, because mm -hmm. you want to innovate and you want to be challenged. Yes. And you know Correct. what they say, be careful what you wish for. So what happened then? Um, You know, <laughs> how much honesty can we really bring to these conversations? <laughs> it's always something I have to be careful of. Um, I have a rule that um, you know, there's no ill will or mm. um, grudges held against anyone, despite the things that I went through. Um, and I will say that about Kashmir, um, you know, from a learning experience and, and an experience perspective, it was it was great. Um, I, I did learn a lot. I learned about how agencies work. Um, I learned about, you know, how to apply insights to creatives, how to work with, you know, young and dynamic strategy talent and try and insert myself. There was a lot of positives. Um, the reality is, uh, you know, I'm a fairly seasoned veteran mm -hmm. um, of the work that I do. Um, you know, I work with executives mostly and act as their guidance for, for strategy using analytics and insights, right? That that's, that's what I've done my whole career in an agency setting. Um, someone with my talents isn't necessarily perceived as necessary. Um, there's an attitude of let's get the work done, um, doesn't need to be great. 
And, you know, um, mm-hmm. someone at my level and stature wants to do great work and wants to be on, you know, great projects and all of that and bring mm-hmm. a, a discipline um, and, you know, to the organization. that And I, also a level frankly, of excellence, right? A level of excellence that, you know, um, you want to at some point we're like, hey, let's crush mediocrity. We I know we can do better. Absolutely. And the the thing is, I was crashing mediocrity and I was bringing my talents to the table. The thing is, the organization wasn't necessarily ready for it. Mm. They thought they were Mm. right. They Mm. wanted to hire someone like me to come in Mm. and, you know, innovate and bring research. But they didn't really Right. They wanted to keep doing things the way Mm. that they'd been doing them. Mm. So change was hard for the organization, despite the fact that I was pushing for it. Um, There was another sort of pivotal moment, um, which is, you know, I really wanted to work with the boss that had hired me. Mm. Um, I had a lot of respect for her and I still do. I think she's a wonderful individual, Mm. um, one of the most empathetic, compassionate people I've ever met Mm. and and really and brilliant as well. Um, And unfortunately, you know, she'd had it, you know, she'd had it with the agency about two, three months into my uh, tenure. Uh, And she she left. She left. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. that was one of those signals, those sort of yeah. red flags that said, I don't have this support anymore. I'm fairly yeah. new at this organization. How am I going to build out the discipline that I want to do without that support? And, you know, um, I, I never recovered, to be really frank. I understand. Thank you for sharing, because it's not easy. Um, you know, this is a public podcast. Um, and. You know, it's not, like you said, we don't ever mean ill will, like 99.9% of right. We we want we want uh, people to be happy. We want ourselves to be happy. You do your thing. I do my thing. Um, I want to just stay here with you for a minute, John, before we move on to um, how this transition happened, um, you know, how you got back on your feet. We're going to get there. But here, you know, um, this is a difficult thing, John, for a lot of us when we are being hired right it's that period of seduction where both sides are putting up an act where it's a performance okay let's call it what it is uh and people are like authentic i'm like oh come on that's bs we're not like this every day you know dressed up in a certain way to impress people it's an it's a it's a stage it's a performance having said that um are there some ways that a person who's you know being interviewed can detect or predict future experience or do you just kind of have to go with the punches and and, in this particular circumstance the organization Mm -hmm. went out of their way to roll out the red carpet for me um and that's so flattering right it's so flattering not just flattering but they were doing it in the right way right Mm -hmm. it wasn't it's not all about ego here so sure um, it's more about the fact that they were proving to me in the interview process that they were serious about bringing me on board and the changes that I can make. Right. So before I got hired, I got on a call with the two heads of strategy who I'd be working for, and we walked through their entire, um, you know, what they've been doing for analytics and insights and all of the tools. So they they really were were filling me in on what it's there so that I could help bring them to the next level. They didn't have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. They could have been like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't need to do this. So blah, blah, blah. They were positive. They were good signs. Yeah. And so 
I took that as, okay, I think these people are really serious about this. I'm excited to join this organization where I'm going to have this input and be able to make the kind of impact that I want. And, and you know, I think they were genuine about it at the time. Right, right. And um, you obviously could never have predicted how things would things would go. Never can. No, I totally understand that. But now, right, many months later, knowing what you know now, are there some signs, not just for this particular position or you know, yes. over your 20, 25 years Great of experience question. where you are putting on like that Sherlock Holmes hat and you're like um, looking at this crystal ball? So no, this is why I changed my job search strategy um, mm-hmm. after this position. And I, I love mm-hmm. that you asked this question because I think this is important for the listeners here. Um, the one thing that they never told me is, you mm-hmm. know, think that it's about not really thinking it through and not really knowing. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't want to be that guinea pig, um, mm-hmm. you know, where there, where I go into the job and it's like, well, what do I do here that you're really looking for? Um, you know, that's not yeah. the best use yeah. of my time or the company's time. Or the company's time. No, I, I totally hear you. So, um, so John, um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, disappointed right disappointment on both sides um what happened next and how did you you know um adjust your strategy right then going forward yeah it's a great question so let's talk about um some of the emotional stuff um yes. and, and again i'm gonna approach this as dispassionately as possible sonal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but these are highly charged emotional things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture at, um, cashmere agency was, um, I'm trying to put this in the best terms. So again, I don't come across as being grievous or, um, you know, vendetta or revenge or anything like that. But for me, it was toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, there was a lot of what I felt was disclusion of me mm-hmm. and and, you know, the role that I could play. Um, there was a lot of clicky behavior. There was a lot of mm-hmm. immaturity. Um, mm-hmm. So no, believe it or not, there was also a lot of discrimination towards me um, based on my um, age, gender, and race um, as a mm-hmm. white older man. Um, mm-hmm. These were all things that happened within this organization. And so the reason I bring this up, again, isn't to make Kashmir look bad. Um, it's to say I had to... I had to process all of that toxicity, right? I had to realize that this was happening to me because I would put on blinders while I was in the situation that it wasn't happening, right? And so I, you know, I wasn't ready to go and get a job right after this. I needed to do the emotional processing. And, you know, when you lose a job and you go through layoffs. Some healing, yes. There's you do go through a grieving process that's similar to when someone dies. And so I went through that grieving process. I was sad. I was angry. I was in denial. And eventually you do move on to the best of your abilities, right? Um, Which I was able to do because I'm so honest. (laughs) 
a lot of people potentially coming out of a situation like that might want to put on blinders and not assess what really happened. Uh, I did the opposite. I dove right in and I was like, you know what? All of the stuff that I just told you about the toxic situation I was in happened. It it happened. It was real. And I have to process that and, and, you know, and emotionally handle something that I was in emotional denial about for a while. So that's what happened right after um, I, I left that job. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to pause you here. This is so important. The um, the healing work, um, and it sounds fuzzy to many people. Uh, the word toxic gets thrown around a lot. It's very difficult. If you've been in it, then you know um, what it, what it's like. And it's not like you said about specific people. It's it's uh, it's obviously, you know, and I appreciate you being the bigger person here and, and sharing um, uh, because um, it's not easy always, you know, to share, even if you've done the work to heal. Secondly, doing the work um, shows incredibly high levels of self-awareness because a lot of us want to take the road, which is easier, which is the victim mindset. It's their fault. Right. I I'm I was so perfect and they did everything and, and it's their fault. So people who live like that, it's so unfortunate. Right. And I've seen this and you've seen this, John, on social media. And I'm so sorry that there was this weird discrimination because I am, you know, a, a friend of mine told me this and I was I was shocked that I I, I didn't realize the language I was using. Where, you know, he said, Sonal, you keep saying this for fun, you know, middle-aged white dude. He said, how do you think, um, you know, when my son gets into the workforce, because our kids are similar ages, you know, 14, 15, um, that, you know, there is one thing which is, hey, girl, hey, queen, you know, women rock. But, <laughs> but not to the point of excluding, right? Because a rising tide lifts all boats and not one type of boat. So... That is hard work to comprehend. And they're like, hey, what was my role in it? What could I do differently in the future? What is my accountability here? Those are uncomfortable questions that a lot of us don't want to ask. But you did. Right. So so could yeah, I'm not I'm not casting myself as a victim, but because I do have this heightened level of self-awareness and I mm -hmm. have done the work, yes. I do have a responsibility to respond to it in the most mature and effective way. Exactly. Exactly. That's Which what is I mean. what I, mean. I feel I have done. I yes. did where you see the words I'm using is they, I am not saying they did no. this. Exactly. They did that. How exactly. could they? I'm saying things happened and I responded yeah. how I needed to respond. Right. Yeah. And it's just that simple. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of slurs about me being white and male and old <laughs> um, and it was constant. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, this is happening by younger, you know, minority yeah. women. Yeah. And they see the irony in that. Yeah. Yes. That's oh, my gosh. That's extremely ironic. I'm thinking Alanis Morissette right now. <laughs> Is there is there's irony in, in excluding someone based on their role and responsibility? I think what's very interesting about Kashmir is that, you know, uh, I did work at BET, Black Entertainment Television, for nearly four years. And not once mm -hmm. did I feel that I was an older white male. Mm -hmm. Right. It was a very inclusive 
community mm-hmm. and people treated each other as human. And I never felt as another. Mm-hmm. And you never, you never thought about race. I you never thought about person. race when I worked at BET. Yeah. I was maybe yeah, that's white people. That's inclusion. But it's once. it's a detail, right? It's not the only thing about you. No. So um, I I totally heard that, and it's so important that we need to close the previous chapter to move on to the next chapter, which is which is what you did, right? So so hats off Correct. to you. And I'm guessing also hours and hours of therapy, John. Some of us yeah, can I mean, work through in, this ourselves. Some of us. Yes, I, I've you know, been in. I, I've been very open about the fact that I've been in therapy for many years. Um, yeah. Do I need yeah. therapy? Absolutely not. Do I use therapy as a tool to help keep me at higher personal development layers? Yes. Right. It's so therapy helps um, support groups, you know, and supportive friends and people to turn to to talk to helps. Yes. Um, You know, but a lot of the work is still done on your own. Yes. No, I hear you completely on your own. Mm-hmm. And you know what's different about you, John, um, is that you shared a lot of your journey during that period, right? So I think it was five or six months between leaving and then starting where yeah. you are uh, today. Um, you know, uh, regularly posting on LinkedIn. Now I want to talk to you about something that honestly makes me cringe a little bit. Um, if our listener is unaware, right? There is a particular website called Reddit uh, where you have these groups, and then you have, you know, they're called I don't actually, I don't, I don't go into Reddit. I I just, I've heard so much stuff about it. I'm not even curious. Um, And they're called subreddits, right? And they're focused on a person and there's a collective bashing and canceling of a certain person or a certain idea and and people jump on it. (laughs) I'm kind of thinking like, you know, like these vultures Mm -hmm. and the person's already like done, like there's no more left, but they're still going in there, smelling blood, looking for blood. Horrific. It sounds horrific, but it is kind of like that, right? You, um, I noticed some uh, very mean comments about you, John, on either they were directly on your posts or uh, they were mentioned and, and you found them and you highlighted them on your Instagram. And oh my gosh, some of these like vile things that were written about you. I want to know, going through everything you were going through at the time, you know, doing your best, showing up for your family, uh, you know, healing yourself, and then, you know, the day-to-day that we all do, and then going through this. How did that, how did that impact you? And and what did you learn? Particularly, I want to learn from you. What did you learn about resilience and grit? Oh, I mean, I can I can teach an entire course on how to deal with Internet haters from an emotional Mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, I'll be really frank, Sonal. They have no effect on me anymore um, because I did so much processing. Um, The way that I see them is these are people who are using me um, and what they think I stand for as a symbol. Right. They're mm-hmm. they're not in, in a way. It's an interesting word. Right. They're objectifying me, mm-hmm. meaning they are ascribing me values that they think I have based on the stuff that I write because they don't know me in real life. They haven't interacted with me and they're using that as a scapegoat, you know, because they're very unhappy with themselves in yeah. some way. Yeah. And they're taking glee and pleasure on trying to bring me down. Um, when you depersonalize this in the way that I just did, 
you're untouchable by them because you realize that nothing they're saying actually has to do with you. Again, it's not about you. The no. Sadhguru yeah. comment, right? You, what is you, right? Like this is the ultimate philosophical, spiritual question. The me that they're coming after is some sort of image that they think mm. I am. It is not me. And so this sort of depersonalization very easy to uh, dismiss them and the terrible things that they say because it's not it's not who i am it's mm. not it's not what i represent it's not the real me right no. um yeah. the other yeah. thing that you do is you just don't read anything so yeah. uh, i allude to reddit but i haven't actually seen what anyone said Mm. Um, nor will I ever. Um, mm. It's not of interest to me um, because it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. You know, it, is it having a material effect on my life? Am I keeping my job? Is my family okay? Are my relationships with close ones strong? If all of those things are in place, then there's no harm actually being done by these people. Um, no, you know, material. I, so you keep that perspective. Yeah. No, I think um, that, there was. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to bring up one moment that was very difficult for me. Yeah. There was one particular troll um, after I got laid off and, and happening, you know, while I was healing that said, you'll never get a job. You're, you're useless. And hmm. that kind of hmm. trolling was actually very hard on me because they're giving life to something that I'm thinking right and i'm going through and i said yeah and you, you know were what? you were very raw at the time as well very raw very mm -hmm. raw and this is someone saying well you know because of your linkedin presence you're unhirable and so there the reason that affects me sonal is because um that's something i'm thinking and feeling and they're giving credence mm -hmm. to that so it felt very close to home too close to home at the at the time Right. So it felt right. like something right. that I believed yeah. about myself that they right. were amplifying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and that was a though the 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 trolling can get hard when it's something you're struggling with and you're trying to heal and they're they're trying to, you know, rip the scab off. And and that's hard yeah. because you know you're yeah. dealing with that. But again, your antidote to all of this is is the self-awareness that you can bring to it, just like I did, right? Like this affects me because this is something I believe. Now I work in therapy and meditation to not believe that, not believe this inner voice that says that I'm not good, right? And that's where a lot of the work has to be when you're unemployed and laid off and you don't have a job. Yeah, I think it's when it comes to certain things, ignorance is bliss. You know, not knowing what they've written is actually mm -hmm. good, right? Mm -hmm. Don't want to go down that rabbit hole. God knows where it's going to go. To. And you're you're not, you know, curious about that. Um, you're very right. You know, this isn't about you. It's about the persona. And you're completely, it's like you're having this out-of-body experience and you're looking down and you're like, actually... Buddy, it's got nothing to do with you. Something's wrong. There's a troubled soul here That's and correct. they're objectifying it, right? So this is on the rational side. You're speaking very rationally. You've come out very strong, right? But you've done a lot of work. And I'm sure it's not been easy. That's uh, the to thing. Get here. Like, I don't want anyone listening to this to say, oh, I can never do that. Like, everyone has the ability to 
get to this place, but it's just like training for a marathon or any sort of training of something, right? If you don't put the work in, then you won't get to the place of rationality that I'm at right now. You'll be reactive. You'll be overly emotional. You'll be victim blaming. You'll, you know, you won't, you'll fall apart in the face of adversity and you won't have resilience, right? It's just work. It's just working a muscle like anything else. Um, And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, Sonal, like, oh, you're coming out of this rational and stronger. You don't feel that ever. You know, you're you're not you're not giving yourself the that where you're like, oh, look how strong I am. Like you should. Right. We should do that. And I appreciate you using these words to describe what I'm doing. But, you know, you you just do. You're just (laughs) going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. You just do and you just be. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. I, I sometimes, you know, um, it's very true. I've um, started, uh, you know, meditation in my own way. Everyone's mm-hmm. doing their own thing. And I heard this on a podcast a few years ago. Someone said meditation is medication. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds so poetic. How nice. But I've actually realized it is so darn true. Um, and I had a guest on the show and, and she talks about she's very like successful managing multiple, you know, hedge funds and private equity um, person and very senior person in finance. And and she said, I can't start my day without sitting in a room. Full of silence, mm-hmm. just with myself and I shut my eyes um, and she said, once I do that and I get on with my day nothing you say, nothing you do can screw with me. She's like, I am just, you know, untouchable. And and also, by the way, you know, also compliments. She's like, that's great. Let's move on. It doesn't stay here because of that practiced detachment. But she's been doing it for years. Yeah, I love that. For me, um, that's what my workouts are right now. So I have to work out before I start my day. Otherwise, I don't think I'll yeah. be able to come. There's always a barrage of people yes. coming at you, especially, and this is important, I think, for the listeners, that when you get to certain higher levels in an organization, there's no way to avoid the coming at you. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And all you can control is how am I going to respond to that, right? How am yeah. I going to respond to the negative energy that's coming my way? What what tools do I have? And that's where things like good sleep, good diet, physical exercise, meditation, we talk about these things ad nauseum as things that are good for you. They become necessities, especially at higher levels within an organization, because the last thing you want to do, Sonal, is get reactive. And that's what I love the story you told me about the hedge fund person. The reason her meditation works so well is she's unreactive and the other person ends up looking like a three-year-old. Yes. And and she says it's shocking. She's like, she goes to the gym regularly. She's working out her legs, her arms. She's like, why don't we talk about our brains enough? Why aren't we working out our brains? And she's like, this is my way of working out my 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 brain. And uh, she's like, no matter what, like, you can't F with me. <laughs> yeah. Like no situation is that okay. bad because there's a big picture, right? So, well, so no, um, it's the one rule I go by, um, which is no matter what is coming at me, I will not react ever. You won't ever see me get into that reactive defensive mode because I don't want to lose. And as soon as you get defensive and angry and reactive, you've lost. There's no winning. There's no coming back from that. So you have to maintain what you called rationality. I actually love that word. You have to maintain that. 
regardless of what's coming at you. And, and they talk about it in meditation that you want to think of yourself as the mountain and everything around you is the wind and the trees and it's all happening, but you don't move when you're the mountain. You're there. You're a rock, right? Yeah. And that's a really important metaphor for who we are as humans. We don't have to react. You don't. You can be the mountain in the face of a torrent of rain and sleet and hurricane or whatever. And I think that is such a positive example also to set up around our children and younger people around us mm -hmm. because it's um, it takes two seconds and everyone responds and everyone's angry and in the moment, in the heat of the moment. Right. So uh, to practice what you're saying, you know, that um, I think Michelle Obama said when they go low, you go high. Oh, man, it just keeps right. coming back. It is so, so unbelievably true. And. So, John, like, what are you doing today? Talk to us about how you got hired here sure. and, and what the experience has been like. I'm loving all your, like, you know, uh, your, your, I saw a post recently where you were talking about people that you're working with. It sounds like a really great match. Obviously, nobody knows the future, but mm -hmm. it sounds like you're, you know, you know, kind of settled in a good mm -hmm. space. And mm -hmm. talk to us about how you got here. Yeah, so, um, you know, I got the job because um, I've had a relationship with my boss and her boss for many years, about seven or eight years at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and we've always sort of flirted with working together. Finally, mm -hmm. a position opened up, um, director of product marketing at a company called Comscore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my boss, who was my friend at the time before, you know, she posted it on LinkedIn. I'm like, Gloria, you want to, what do you think of me for this? She's like, you want this? <laughs> She's like, I didn't think you, you saw would. It on, you saw it on LinkedIn. I saw her post it on LinkedIn. I have an opening yes. for this role. And I reached Love out that. and I said, I would like to be considered. Yeah. Why, was she, was, why was she surprised that you wanted it? Uh, good question. Um, it, it may have to do with the fact, and, and I just put a post out yesterday that I actually really liked on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it has to do with the fact that it's in marketing. And most of my experience in my career mm. has been... Mm. Um, analytics and insights, but mm. it's doing marketing for a company that does analytics and insights. So it's not too far off. Um, mm. So yeah, so then the process was very quick. I think she wanted to hire me then. Um, you know, you talk about expectations going in. I, you know, I talked to Gloria, she laid out the lay of the land very clearly for me when I was interviewing. You know, there were no surprises coming in, um, you know, from a difficulty and political standpoint. And, you know, um, since then, yeah, it's a very, you know, I am enjoying it. It's a very supportive environment. Um, the work is challenging. Um, people are all professional, for sure. Um, and, you know, uh, it's just a matter of finding like that work life balance. You don't want to get too burnt out. Um, so, you know, most of my focus has been on how do I, how do I maintain what the hedge fund person said? How do I stay clear and healthy and feel good while working full time? Um, that's been a lot of what I would challenge, but none of the same challenges that I've had from other organizations where I really have to come in and prove that I add value. It's very clear from the yeah. start that um, what I bring to the table is what they need. And that's a great exactly. 
Exactly. And that's something that's ideally done during the interview stage. What do I bring to the table? Do I have to prove myself? Not after, right? Obviously, we have to work hard and we have to, you know, continue to show our value. But for me, that's the foundation. The next level is how do I get even better, you know, my own journey. But you can't do that if the basics, which means inclusion, which means a sense of belonging, right? right? And 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 diversity on paper. Oh my gosh, I think this is one of the what is the word, John? It's um, it's a misnomer. I don't know what is the word is. You know, it's becoming the DEI. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's becoming such a thing. You can be colorful. You can be very diverse as a company. That does not mean anything because there's one side which is visible, and there's the invisible. the The invisible also starts with I, which is inclusion. You really feel like you included. You really feel That's like right. you belong. That's right. right. That's a totally different story. Amazing, amazing. So, um. So John, last question I want to ask you. So, you know, someone who's who's going through one of these challenges today, right? Whether it's a, a layoff, whether it's voluntarily leaving mm-hmm. a place where they didn't necessarily feel like there was a fit and people are saying, are you crazy in this economy? You don't have a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're navigating that journey right now. Mm-hmm. What is that one piece of advice you just want them to keep in their mind when they walk away from this conversation? Support. Um, Mm. Support yourself and find others who support you. The human connection, um, both from the energy you give yourself and the energy that you get from others who support you, um, we tend to um, disregard that as not as important. We have very individualistic Western societies that say, pick yourselves Mm. up by your bootstrap and do it. Mm. But you can't, Mm. you have to have, you have to have close people who are there who are going to support you through difficult times. There's just, you know, you have to find that and you have to, you have to go and make a conscious effort to be kind to yourself too, because those voices that come in can be very loud, the judging, the negative, the bad. And you have to make a conscious effort to say, okay, those are voices. We don't have to take them seriously. This is inherently not true. It's happening, but I don't have to believe it. Right. We we have to we have to support ourselves and and no one really talks about this right they don't they talk about all the tactics that it takes to get a job and you know reach mm. out to this network and blah 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 it's all over LinkedIn it's it's, mm. it's like you said ad nauseum yes yes it's banal but the stuff that I'm talking about the support the the grievance process, the accepting of negative emotions, the the mental training that you do to be resilient. We don't hear enough about that. It's because it's not sexy mm. and it's not, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't lend well to a post on LinkedIn, right? And, and mm. people don't want to hear about more negativity in the world. But the things that I'm saying is the way that you keep your head above water when things are difficult. And we have to talk about it, even if people don't want to. It's part of the it's part of the journey. It's mm-hmm. part of growing. So um, for sure, I, I totally hear you on that because uh, without that foundational work, right? Uh, and you have a great LinkedIn and you have a great resume and you learn how to do great interviews. 
but there's always something right like not feeling very fulfilled like mm-hmm. what's going on and people are like oh that's a first world problem it's a good problem to have right but at some point it is a big problem um and which is why we see so much unhappiness in the world today um john this has been such a pleasure there's so much um that we can continue to learn from you i'm going to ensure that i include your linkedin url in the show notes because i know you regularly share over there are you still regular with your blog if i remember correctly maler no not for no, now I, okay um yeah i mean that's a conversation for another time but um you know what is a presence on linkedin for um once you've gotten a job once you know you're mm-hmm. uh, you know i had been flirting with running a full-time career you know service business what do you do you know with content there once you don't really have a goal um that's kind of where i am right now so i post occasionally but uh it's not it's not a it's not a big part of what i do it you it used to be dear i mean we used to be, we're talking two times a day posts seven mm-hmm. days a week 365 mm-hmm. that's right. a year mm-hmm. and you're kind of doing a tiny amount of let's say linkedin detox <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean I'll post when I feel like it. Right? If yeah. an idea comes to my mind, I'll put it on paper and I'll put it out there and you know, that's it. But nothing to the extent of what I have been doing where it was a very important part of my life. Um yeah. LinkedIn is uh, its own form of relationship for content creators, uh, which is an interesting yes. conversation as oh, well. Oh yes, that's a conversation for another day, but you you touched upon it and and you are like, "Hey, this has been fun." It's been fun. I'll see you around, but not two times a day every day. <laughs> Cuz that was Yeah, I just don't feel like it, right? And it's what is that accomplishing for me? Is that helping me with my personal goals? Is that getting me where I want to go? And then you do have that rational assessment of like, mm, maybe it's not so good. And maybe the dopamine was addictive. Maybe. Potentially. I totally hear you, but but that is probably the best place for people to learn more about you. So I will include the LinkedIn oh, URL absolutely. in the show notes. John, such a pleasure once again. I wish you continued success with your career and all the cool things you're doing today and beyond. Thank you, Sonal. Thanks for having me. This was a great conversation. All right. If you loved this episode, please leave a five-star rating for this podcast and leave a review as well. The reason is the more reviews that you leave the more my podcast gets pushed out into the algorithm to find the people that absolutely need it so that I can help them supercharge their careers as well and that is my mission so leaving a review would go a long way and I would be eternally grateful thank you so much for tuning in i can't wait to see you next time take care of yourself and bye for now